WNBA Nation, what's going on? We just, I mean, just watched the NCAA Women's Tournament crown its 2021 champion. With me to talk about it today is Jason Snow and Kyle Haywood. Guys, how are you doing? So good. I'm doing very, very well, Logan. I'm super stoked to hop on tonight and talk all things NCAA and probably look a little bit ahead to what we've got coming WNBA-wise. But yeah, it was a, what a tournament. What a tournament, uh, to be honest. So I'm doing well. Jason, how are you doing? As the third place finisher in our bracket group of over 50 people, <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. I was wondering how far into the episode we'd get before you brought that up. Not, One second. One second. Not 10. Yeah. Like your first uttered <laughs> phrase. I'm so glad. Those of you who don't know right now, he's literally, he has a third place bronze medal on his like screen. Like as an overlay during oh. our Twitch chat here. So we're broadcasting third place, Jason, to everyone. <laughs> you, you guys like, like, I don't want to sound like a, a, a prick because there, there is a certain <laughs> level of like, like you should just be like, Oh, that's awesome. I'm glad I did well and just move on. And that's what I should do. But I'm always in the bottom half of my brackets. I'm so stoked. I had a good bracket this year. I just, I never get it. So <laughs> this is my chance to, to sit in the sun and enjoy the warmth. So I'm excited about it. Well deserved. But no, all things, all things said. Irregardless of that, because that's not obviously not super important, but that was a fantastic tournament. I've enjoyed basketball so much the last few weeks. Yeah, this has been not just super fun, but uh, stressful. I mean, I <laughs> I don't have I don't have a team in the tournament. My bracket was left for dead long ago, and I still felt like Elite Eight onward in particular. I mean, the whole tournament was great. Day two of the tournament, we had all these upsets that had us thinking, like, man, anything anything's possible on these neutral courts and and in the tournament. But ultimately, it came down to the tournament's number one overall seed taking on Arizona, the surprise uh, to the surprise of many, but not to anybody in the Arizona locker room. And boy, they just about did it. Um, but Stanford was able to hang on. That's two straight rounds uh, where Stanford actually won by one point exactly. They're the first women's or men's team to ever do that in the semifinal and the finals in the NCAA tournament. Uh, so, congrats to the Stanford Cardinal. Uh, to, to Hull, to Jones, to Brink, to Prechtel, that whole cast got it done. Uh, they cruised through the first three rounds of the tournament. They fell asleep a little bit against Louisville, came back and crushed them. Uh, and then you know the story from there if you've been listening to our, our recent episodes. Uh, so absolutely can't take anything away from their effort. Um, but Arizona made it a game. <laughs> Uh, and we, you know, we, we should talk about Arizona's defense and the future of that team under Coach Barnes because, uh, they, they have thrown their hat and, and many other items of clothing into the ring as perennial, uh, teams to watch. Uh, Jason, I want to toss it back to you because that, that medal is cracking me up and I can tell you've got a lot of energy <laughs> today. Uh, what's your impression of this tournament? Are you going to remember it as the Stanford dominating everyone tournament or the Arizona just about pulling off, uh, one of the better surprising runs of all time? Well, I don't feel like I can characterize it as a Stanford dominating everyone tournament because in all reality, Stanford survived those last two games. They played well. They deserved to win, but it was not a, a domination. The, the way I look at it is Stanford was the overall number one pick. 
several people, including myself, had them winning it on their brackets, um, going into to our bracket pool. And the things that you remember are the things that deviate from what you would have expected. And so for me, the real storyline this year was Arizona. From the time they beat Texas A&M, I think everyone had this look of like, could they take it all the way? And up until that three was was lofted with you know one second left in the game, everyone still had the thought, could they take it all the way? And so that was the real storyline for me. I think three years from now, if you ask me about this year, the first thing that comes to mind is Arizona. So that's that's definitely what I'll remember strongest coming out of this. Yeah, this finals game came down to uh, a, a turnover on the, the Stanford side of the ball after a shot clock violation because Arizona played great defense. And then they, they had to inbound the ball and find something uh, down one with six seconds left to go. They got the ball to McDonald. McDonald tried to do some stuff at the top of the arc, but got about triple to quadruple teamed by the Stanford bigs. Uh, wasn't able to get a pass anywhere where there, you know, there was just no daylight to get it to any of her teammates. So she ended up chucking up a fadeaway three and just about got it to go. Uh, ended up five of 20 in the championship game after, after being kind of the, the motor behind that Arizona team all tournament. Kyle, I want to throw it to you. How are you viewing Ari McDonald after this performance? Was she trying to do too much? Uh, just give me your impressions of her individually. I feel like Ari McDonald is going to be an absolute force at the next level. Let me just get that out of the way first. Um, I feel like she probably improved, uh, the, the, as far as like draft boards go, I feel like she bumped her way up pretty significantly. She was already going to be, um, a decent first round draft pick, but I don't think a lot of people had her higher than about eight, maybe seven. A lot of people had her down in that, you know, eight, nine, ten range as far as, uh, draft boards go. This right here, I think that she, put in a ton of work that has turned a lot of heads and showed that she can truly take, take over games. And um, so I, I want to get that out of the gate first. That being said, I feel like Stanford came out as prepared to shut down the Arizona offense as anybody had all tournament long. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously these are two teams who are really familiar with each other. So that may have helped because they play each other, you know, twice as twice a year. And so there's that element to it, but as you watch this game, Stanford was, you know, jumping, uh, passing lanes. They were, uh, kind of cutting off, like not allowing Arizona to run where they wanted to run on offense. And so that really threw kind of the whole offense of Arizona into, um, into a weird, weird place. And I think that's why we saw them score only eight points in the first quarter. But from there, when you take, uh, when you take that into consideration and seeing Arizona make adjustments throughout the game to where they slowly made this comeback, um, and where Stanford obviously knew that Ari McDonald was going to be a huge, huge element. And so they game planned for that and made the rest of Stan, made the rest of Arizona, you know, if you're going to beat us, you got to do it with your whole team. And to Arizona's credit, they just about did. They, they came all the way back and were mere inches away from being national champions. Champions. I do think that there was a little bit, um, and it may be because uh, of Stanford's, you know, being able to read the offense where, uh, Ari felt like she had to do a little bit more than, um, that she maybe forced things a little bit. Um, but I think that it had been working in the last several games. And so why not try it now? That's how you got here. So I don't blame her at all, but I do think that Stanford, 
threw a little bit of a kink into Arizona's offense. And that's why we saw Airy kind of taken, taken out of it. But luckily Pellington and others stepped up huge and, uh, ended up, uh, doing really well and, and keeping Arizona in it right to the very end. So, um, yeah, I probably a little bit forced it, but not forced it in like, I blame her. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That's how I would characterize it too. McDonald finished, uh, with 22 points on five of 20 shooting. She was eight of 12 from the foul line. A couple of those missed free throws mattered a lot late, but, um, yeah, to your point, Stanford threw more than I think just a little kink at this offense. Uh, Arizona shot just 28.8% for the game. It's kind of incredible that the Wildcats were still in it shooting so poorly and also just not getting any rebounds. Felt like Stanford's bigs really worked the boards in this one. Uh, but they forced 21 turnovers uh, and they got extra possessions and they stayed close. Uh, they were able to take the lead in the second quarter on a little 8-0 run. Uh, and then Stanford quickly reclaimed it and held on to the end of the game. But could have still gone either way. Uh, kind of a big call down the stretch. There's a kickball out of bounds that probably should have been off on uh, on Stanford that, that wasn't called correctly, but I don't think that overshadows the game like some other calls in the tournament have. Um, so I don't necessarily want to dwell on that, but overall, just a really tightly contested game. Um, there's, there's something I think is interesting, which is we focused a lot throughout the tournament on individual efforts like Caitlin Clark, Paige Beckers, uh, Zaya Cook got her due, Ari McDonald got her due. And ultimately, the champions standing at the top of the heap are the ones that maybe have gotten the least amount of press. Uh, and it could just right. be that the, the entire starting five, the entire Stanford team is so good. But Haley Jones and Lexi Hole both showed out today. Uh, Hole, especially with a double-double, 10 rebounds, 10 points. Uh, and Haley Jones, 8 of 14 shooting for 17 points, 8 rebounds. Um, she was named the tournament's most outstanding player. Um I, I'm excited at the star power of what we've seen in this tournament. I'm particularly interested to see what these players do in the future because we're a WNBA podcast. Who in, <laughs> in the whole tournament, not just restricted to this game, but who are both of you most excited to see in the league three or four years down the road? I think the obvious choice is Ari, right? Ari McDonald is. Yeah. It's kind of the, the real obvious pick here because she turned so many heads. Um, Arizona was a little bit underrepresented in a lot of, you know, media coverage, even the final four hype video, not even including Arizona. Like, <laughs> yeah, like that killed me. Um, it's like they had all this, all these clips ready to go from the other three teams. Cause they're like, Oh, these are really likely to go. And they just didn't prepare to have Arizona in it. And it just blew my mind. So like all of that was there. Um, so obviously Aerie is, is one that, that catches my eye like big time. Um, uh, if we're, if we're talking draft picks from f- like f- coming up this season, um, I'm really, I, I don't know if I would say I'm more excited, but I'm more intrigued at what we're going to see from Collier because Collier at some points looked like she just took over games mm-hmm. and made huge impacts on the court. And then other times completely disappeared. And that to me, I feel like it, as, as high up as Aerie probably p- pushed herself in this draft, Collier may still go number one overall, but if I watched this NCAA tournament, I don't know if I'm taking Collier in my top two or three. And that may be just recency bias and not looking at the entire body of work and, uh, and her potential. But I'm very intrigued 
to see what Collier does in the WNBA. She might be an absolute beast and come in and have multiple MVP seasons. She may be out of the league in a couple seasons because it just doesn't pan out because of the inconsistencies there. So if you're going to, yeah, if you're talking about who I'm excited, I would say Aerie is the one that I'm excited about. I'm very intrigued to watch the future of Charlie Collier. Yeah, it's a good answer. I think this draft is interesting because we've talked so much about how good this up and coming class of players is going to be, but a lot of them are underclassmen. And this year's yeah. draft in particular, it's not like chock full of players that can just change, you know, up level a team no matter where they go. I think it's a lot of players that they need to go to a team where they are, they are the right fit. Like exactly. They have a positional need and they fit into what they want to do there. So do, what I'm saying is our draft preview episode is going to be impossible. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so true. It's going to be really so difficult. True. I think the one, and I'm, I'm having to dig into the lower, into the underclassmen right now. As far as looking at it, like, I think if she develops and grows from this point, I think she could actually be a pretty big powerhouse in the league is, uh, Caitlin Clark. And I know we talked a lot about her earlier on in our tournament coverage. Um, that's what I'm really excited about. McDonald, I'm, I'm 50 50 on. I, I could see her doing really well in the league. I could see her being around for a couple of years and maybe going Euro league. Um, I, I don't really know where I land on that one. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to following Caitlin Clark as well. She's kind of lived in Paige Becker's shadow, although they're both good yeah. friends and they're both like there's room for both of them in the league with as as claustrophobic as some of the rosters in the league are with. I mean, there's there's 12 yeah. teams. They're all chock full of talent. There's all these freshmen that are going to come take those spots in like two or three years. But like they're they're both going to go on and score a lot of buckets and we're going to watch them play a lot. Um, the player that hasn't come up yet that I, I think is worth mentioning also is I, I don't think we've seen the last of Aaliyah Boston. Uh, I'm very yeah, interested right. to see you know, not just where she goes, but what type of player she wants to become. Um, because I think she could be a really good piece on a, on like a stacked team, like the Seattle storm, but she could also mm-hmm. be the star player of a younger team like Dallas. And it's just, I, I wonder what setting she'll be put into and what will be asked of her in her first couple of years in the pros. So that's that's something that I'm going to watch out for. I just the moment where she missed her her putback and the camera was zooming in on her hugging her her friends on the other team uh, on UConn. I just got this feeling like there was gravity to that moment and that we haven't seen yeah. the last of that player. That could just be my writer book brain being like, oh, narratively, like this is her <laughs> this is her low point, but we're going to see more. But I really believe that. So that's one that I'm watching for. Uh any other thoughts on this finals matchup and this tournament in general? I, I think we talked a little bit about a pre-record. I think defense is such a huge element for so many of these teams. I thought that uh, so many of the end of games came down to defensive plays. Even take a look at the champion Stanford, right? They literally on both of the, both their final four and their championship game, the other team had the ball and had they had to play defense to win the championship right now they were both teams both south carolina and arizona missed their last shots by mere inches but i think that you know defense they say defense wins championships that was very literal for stanford this season if you go back to their matchup with with uh louisville the the defense that they exhibited in that second half especially and just shutting louisville down and going on these big runs that was impressive. Outside of the champions, <laughs> South Carolina keeping uh Texas to 34 points <laughs> yeah. is insane. Yeah. 
like Texas didn't get a single point in the entire fourth quarter. That's nuts. Like that's absolutely crazy. Obviously the Baylor and Yukon game as, as high powered as it started out, ultimately what kept both teams in it was a 19 and 0 run from, from Yukon and then big defensive stops by Baylor down the stretch to get them back into the game. Defense was so essential to so many like of the smaller storylines throughout this tournament that it just made me really excited to see the level of uh of basketball being played on that end of the court. Basketball so much frequently or, or recently has moved more and more offense heavy. Players are scoring more points, teams are scoring more points than they ever have before. And it was cool to see that defense reigned somewhat supreme in uh in this tournament. Even going back to Texas shutting down the probably the highest power offense that we've seen all season in Maryland, you know, and, and what Texas did to slow them down and, and, you know, only allow them two thirds of what they'd been averaging in the tournament. And so I, I just think that defense overall was a really interesting part of this tournament and something that I'm excited to see how that translates to next year's NCAA uh, season, as well as into the WNBA moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly interesting that the later rounds in the tournament, None of them I would characterize as like defined by offensive firepower. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet right. all still completely legitimate, intense, like stopping your breath in your throat type games. Um, but not because teams were going for a hundred every night. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I also think it, it was interesting to see how many games had like last second steals and stuff like that. Like defense was, was in a lot of cases right at the end of the game, kind of in, at defining moments. If we're looking at the tournament as a whole, I think stepping outside of just the on-court presence was the level of attention and engagement that this tournament got seems so much bigger than what we've gotten in the past and on the women's side of the game. And I, yeah. I really liked that. And I know there have been some, uh, I, I've seen some graphics go up of like the amount of engagement that, that the women's game got. I think it was comparing the Yukon Baylor game versus the men's final four and how that game alone got more attention than some of those other men's final four games. So. Um, I, I really liked this. This is what we were hoping for last year. Last year, we had yeah. a great tournament coming and we knew that it would do really good things in terms of the, the knowledge among casual sports viewers of women's basketball. And I feel like we got a taste of that this year. I don't know if it's as good as it would have been had we had last year without COVID and stuff, but I feel like a lot more people are caring about women's basketball. I mean, my stepdad, who's, who's never been like super pro or, anti women's basketball. He's, he's kind of been neutral for the most part and doesn't watch much basketball. He was into this tournament. He was excited about the teams. And so like, (laughs) like people are caring more and, and this was a great tournament for that because especially towards the end there, any game you turned on was a great game to watch in terms of entertainment value. And, and I, I thought that was really good in terms of the growth of the game. Absolutely. I, I, that's a great point, Jason, you know, looking back last year and we felt that as a show, we felt like March was a like literally women's hoops was exploding and then COVID happened and it just like took so much wind of you know, wind out of the sails of the momentum that was coming right with UNESCO and Oregon and everything that was going on with that storyline. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Kobe's passing played into to some of that as well. And, and some other elements that were bringing so much attention to women's basketball. And then all of a sudden just basketball stopped. Mm-hmm. 
And, uh, and it just, I, I agree. I think that we lost a little bit of that momentum, but this year was a step in the right direction. Um, even though so much of it was focused heavily on Paige Beckers, how nice was it that at halftimes and like pre and post game, there was women's basketball being discussed? Yeah. How many times in the, yeah. in, in prior years have we seen, even during WNBA games or other, you know, NCAA games that they're talking about, you know, summer league baseball mm-hmm. prior to the game, during halftime and after the game. And it has nothing to do with the teams actually on yeah. the court. And I felt like ESPN did it actually like they get a lot of crap for their women's sports coverage. Shout out to them. That like you, I think that everybody, uh, and ourselves included who complains about the media coverage that women's basketball and women's sports in general gets from some of your larger media outlets. Hey, they did a lot better job of it this season. Let's actually go give them some love. Like let's actually tweet and, and comment and email or whatever you want to do to ESPN, uh, you know, to the people who, who do that production and let them know that we noticed that and that we appreciated it Yeah, and, uh, and give that positive feedback um, I think that that would be huge. So yeah. that would, if, if you want to do something to help grow the game right now, that would be an excellent thing to do is to tweet out appreciation to those news outlets and, and those, you know, the teams cover the coverage teams that were actually ex, ex mm-hmm. like using women's basketball as, as part of the pregame postgame and halftime. Yeah. Um, I thought that was excellent. Yeah. I completely yeah. agree. Um, one quick take just to, to add to that. Like small things make such a big difference, but I've watched women's bas- like NCAA women's games, not tournament games, but previous to that, where like they don't even have like a halftime crew. They just toss it back to whoever's in the sports center studio. Yep. yep. And and having somebody there that that's prepped for that game, has been watching that game and can talk about it, it makes such a huge difference. And it's not that big of a thing, but it's one of those things where we're just like, hey, give us give women's sports at least that much respect to to have the dedicated halftime crew and stuff. Um, I thought that made a huge difference. I was going to say the same thing. Like it, it used to be, not only would you not get a post game. I mean, the game would end and go final, and you'd get like ten seconds of like, oh, good for them, and then immediately it'd be on to some other sport or some something else ESPN wanted to cover. And this time, yeah. like we actually got to sit talk about the game at halftime. We got the post game sizzle reel. They would also play like the the other the sizzle reel from the other final four game too to like catch you up on what happened on the other side of the bracket. It just felt like real coverage. And that's, you'd think that that would not be too much to ask. But to your point, Kyle, it feels like we should be grateful for like, thank yeah. you. Like, thank you for just doing the bare minimum and treating it like you would any other sport. And I, I like, I don't mean for that to sound as venomous as it probably did just now, but like, I, I really do mean that. Like, it's, it's nice to just watch it and not, not have it be like, I don't want it to be like ESPN. Saying like, look, we're trying. We have our token women's coverage. Like now be happy. I don't want it to be token anything. I want it to just be part of the mix. Um, and so I, I did see a tweet earlier today from an ESPN writer that was, it, it was in response to all the dream on green bull crap that's been going on this week. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and all she said was basically like, like something that dream on green missed is that there are dozens of us at ESPN, like the crew, the writer, the people that hang out with, Holly Rowe, like the broadcast team, the production team, like we are all trying, like we want the same thing you want. Um, and so like there, 
the answer to every question in sports is money. Ultimately, like if if we make it financially viable for ESPN to air more women's coverage, like they're going to keep doing it. But uh, I, I felt like this this year was such a good move in the right direction because like every time every time they feed just a little bit more coverage or a little bit more like like uh, during the men's tournament, just like a, a an ad for the WNBA or like a commercial with Sue Bird in it, it has like explosive results. It has great results. Like viewership spikes, like things like react very quickly. Like there's obviously a big pool of interest that they have yet to tap into. Um, so everything's trending in the right direction for ESPN and other networks to kind of respond to people's wallets and say, Oh, this is what people want. So mm-hmm. like, let's, let's give them what they want. And that's great. I, I don't, we don't talk about like the business of sports a ton on the podcast. I don't know how interested people are in that. But it's like the TV networks are starting to come around. Uh, there, there's a lot more they could do, but they're starting to do their part. The NCAA needs to catch up, uh, frankly, because there's there's yeah. some issues with how the NCAA keeps its books. <laughs> <laughs> I I really do. Th- I I agree. I think that we're starting to see more women's coverage, and we need to recognize and and be excited for what we do see. Compare like. Literally, guys, the three of us, and Steve included, when we started this show, what, four years ago? Compare the the coverage then to now. And I, when I look back at that, I think, oh, like, it was so much harder to find content then. Um, and I feel like the content is getting easier and easier and easier to find. And not just by those independent people like Winsider and, and W basketball blog and like, and those types of people, right? Or her hoop stats or whatnot. Not just by the independent ones. You're, it's getting a little easier to find it in your major sports outlets. Like even a small thing. I have an app that I use quite extensively called the score. That's what I use to like check box scores and check, you know, everything going on. And I think it was two seasons ago, they added the WNBA onto that app. And I immediately like wrote them, like sent them (laughs) some feedback and said, thank you. Like, cause I had wrote them feedback like a year before and was like, Hey, you should add the WNBA. And then like a year later, like when it actually happened, I was like, thank you. Like, this is awesome. Thank you so much. Like this is big. And I think just doing little things like that, that sometimes we don't notice in the moment, how large that is. I think that we're seeing media coverage grow um, from some of the big names in media coverage. Now, that's not to say that we don't have a long ways to go. We do. But we're seeing a trend and it's a positive trend. And let's yeah. hop on that and reward when that does come through, when these articles or the coverage comes through that is covering women's hoops. Click on the links. Go read the stories. Comment. Retweet. Like, like get it out there and and reward people for doing the coverage yeah. of women's basketball and women's sports in general. Yeah, it's it's eliminating a lot of the misunderstandings that exist about women's sports, which I I think is a big deal. Like I think a lot of people are more ignorant than malicious towards women's basketball. Like I agree. There, there are trolls out there sure, but I think a lot of people just don't know when it's on, when to watch it, how to watch it, who to root for who the major players are and the more coverage you get, the more you eliminate those problems. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I will, I, I won't stick on this for long cause I'll go into a deep rant about it, but the NCAA does kind of perpetuate some of the rumors about women's sports because they don't give women's basketball any money for the tournament. Um, like 
in the men's tournament, if you make the round of 64, you're coming home with like a million dollars for your conference. And like every round you progress, you get more money. The women's tournament doesn't get any of that. It's because NCAA wants you to believe that they don't make any money. Um, yeah. but it, it's, there, there's been some good reporting because of the additional coverage and because of the, the big spike in viewership, uh, that, that figure, the 1.7 million that watched the UConn Baylor game, it sparked a lot of investigation into how women's basketball isn't making money because it's, it's basically impossible. Like they have to be cooking the books somewhere along the line to not, you know, they've got 70 plus sponsors on the broadcast that are, that are sponsoring like the event and the coverage and the commercials. And, and a lot of good reporting in the, I, I read a story in the Washington Post that I'm referencing now has basically said like the NCAA wants to spend money on men's basketball and football. So it's, yep. it's part of the problem and part of why trolls say like, well, nobody watches so they don't make any money. Like they actually make the NCAA a lot of money. They just don't want to spend it. Like they don't want to reinvest it back into the women's basketball landscape. <laughs> so part, the more coverage and the more fans and the more viewers, the less they can hide stuff like that in the dark. And the more that, you know, we get to air that dirty laundry and prove like, no, no, like this is extremely like, you don't think ad space for the women's final four was extremely valuable this year. Oh yeah. The, the viewership is, is huge. Like we're seeing so much more viewership in women's basketball that that alone. I like if you're a, a an advertiser for a large corporation, you have to be paying attention to that and recognize bang for your buck is got to be really, really high in women's sports right now. Yeah. And so start investing. And like it, it probably doesn't make the $19 billion that the men's tournament makes, but if it makes a 20th of that, that's still a billion dollars. So yeah, it's still pretty good. <laughs> there's, you know, there's money in it. So I, you know, I, I'm not going to go on about the Draymond Green stuff, but like there's just, there's a lot of ignorant stuff out there based on just what, you know, a lot of people have just heard like, Oh, the WNBA doesn't make money or it's, it's like women's basketball. Who cares? And it's just like the more you see it, the more you realize like, Oh, a lot of people care. A lot of people go to these games. A lot of people tune in. Sponsors care. Um, people like socially like active. I don't know. Social activism in sports is really catching on among all the other major leagues. And it really began with the WNBA and a lot of right. the NBA stars involved in those things have given credit to the WNBA for that. And it's, I don't know that that light is shining brighter on the league all the time. And it's very exciting. Yeah. Anyway, sorry for so, that diatribe. <laughs> no, you're good, man. So I, I actually haven't looked at this. I, have, I actually haven't looked into this too much, but just to kind of follow up on that, uh, Nick, Pierce, I, I hope I'm saying that right. Um, in our chat, just asked like, why is the, the ESPN game on when it should really be on ABC? Do you know what was programmed on ABC tonight? I'm wondering if it was an Easter thing, and that might have had something to do with the the fact that it, it didn't get the ABC coverage. I I looked I looked at what was playing on ABC right after the game, and it was America's Funniest Home Videos. <laughs> So, yeah, that's bull. That should. I not, don't know. What was yeah, I don't know. That tracks. I don't know what was going on during the game, but I know what was happening immediately after. And I don't think that that would be too hard of a thing to bump. That's sort of the last thing I wanted to hit before we signed off for today. We're we're a little bit uh, earlier than we we normally go. We usually go like an hour. But um, are there any? I mean, I don't want to do like the too early, like who's going to win next year thing because I saw <laughs> I saw ESPN tweet something like that earlier. And I was like, oh, you just had to get a Yukon image out there before the end of the day, didn't you? 
Um, <laughs> but in terms of teams that you're excited uh, to see run it back with their young players, uh, is there anybody that comes to mind specifically, or is everybody good just making the leak to the the league this year? I know that's not true. I feel like the obvious answer to that is UConn. UConn, I mean, they were they were really in a lot of their games this year, and they have a very young team. And obviously, um, you never want to sleep on UConn in the women's game because they're such a, a dynastic powerhouse. So I think that's the obvious one. Um, I think there's several teams that I'm excited to see what they come back with. I think I'm excited to see Baylor come back. I'm excited to see Texas come back. Uh, I'm excited to see... I, I now I'm just listing off Texas schools, but legitimately I'm excited about Texas A&M as well. Um, I thought they had a really good year this year. So, and I could drive to any of those games, which is a plus, but yeah, the, those are some of the teams that I'm really excited about for next year. Uh, I'd say at the top of my list is probably Texas A&M and UConn. Uh, I like those picks a lot, Jason. For me, South Carolina is scary good next year. They're not losing much, uh, this season. They still have a lot of young talent and I think they're pulling in like the number two, number three and number four, like players in this draft class coming in as freshmen next year. That's a scary good team. Uh, a team that honestly was an inch away from being in this championship game. Don Staley coach team. I think that South Carolina is going to be a force to be reckoned with. And honestly, I can't be, I can't be too, uh, I, I can't be too, uh, calm on Stanford. They're defending champions and are going to be able to, you know, again, a lot of their star power comes from, you know, non seniors. And I think that that's going to be really exciting to see where they come. Uh, next season, uh, as far as standings and, and what they do, uh, moving forward. So those are two teams you definitely have to keep your eye on. There, there's more, but those are two immediate ones that I think, you know, if you fast forward, I, I would imagine both of those teams could, uh, could definitely have a number one seed heading into next year's tournament. Yeah. We've got Bernard in the chat saying, uh, Maryland and SC, uh, and then Jack House. Maryland's good. Yeah. Jack House says Caitlin Clark and Iowa have a, a goal for the final four next year. And we all, we all <laughs> saw sure. what happened to my bracket when I bet against Iowa. So I won't make that mistake <laughs> twice. You guys are, you guys remember what happened with UNESCO went as a freshman to Oregon, right? And immediately Oregon all of a sudden started pulling in some major, uh, recruiting classes and even transfers. To where they're surrounding, you know, they surrounded Yanescu with a really, really solid core throughout, you know, her, especially her junior and senior seasons. And to do that with Caitlin Clark, I easily could see Iowa pulling in a lot of people wanting to come play with a player like her. So I think that could be really, that's a, actually a really solid pick, um, to, to see something like that. So I like that. Yeah. All good choices. Guys, that's pretty much all I've got for today. Uh, it's a little intimidating playing host for the first time in a while uh, because I'm worried <laughs> I'm forgetting something. But uh, we're going to have plenty coming at you next week. We already hit all of our plugs. Uh, if you want a shout-out on the show, you can give us a five-star review on whatever service you use to listen to podcasts. And we'll read your review on the show because we think that's really cool of you to do. Uh, it also helps us get found uh, by people who are looking for the WNBA. And again, this is the time of year where people are always saying like, I, I've never really watched the league. I kind of want to get into it. What do I need to know? That's what this show is for. Uh, and your five star reviews help us kind of float to the top so that people can uh, find us easily and, and get those answers. Uh, anything Kyle that you want to include before we wrap up here? Uh, don't 
don't sleep on women's hoops just because this uh, championships is over. Um, this is honestly kind of the kickoff to our busy season. Uh, March is really when things just ramp up for us. Um, you know, the off season and free agency is always really interesting, but March is where things start heating up and it doesn't cool off until like October. Mm-hmm. So just, just get ready to go. We've got draft. We've got team previews. We've got schedule releases. We've got W histories still to be, uh, written in and put out there. Uh, then the season's going to kick off and then we've got Olympics and then playoffs. Like this is when it kicks off. And so, you know, shout out to NCAA, but for us, this is the beginning of our busy season. Yeah. And so, uh, make sure you're subscribed, make sure that you're hitting us up on Twitch, make sure that you're following us on Twitter, all of those good things, because women's basketball is about to just continue to take off like a rocket ship and, uh, be along for the ride. Don't be, don't get left behind is all I'm saying is make sure that you're plugged in. And, uh, we would be happy to uh, point you in the direction of other coverage that is, uh, you know, we have our style and I hope y'all enjoy our style. That's why we do it. Other, other, you know, uh, outlets have different media types, um, different personalities. There's other podcasts out there that are really solid. Um, and we don't feel like we compete with any of those. We don't compete. We, we promote if anything. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, make sure if you have any other, uh, questions, hit us up. We can point if we don't have an answer for you, we can definitely point you in the right direction. Um, so, uh, yeah, all of you who are tuning in, uh, that may be more fans of the college game, uh, don't sleep cause, uh, cause the WNBA is for real and y'all should, should hop on board. That's what I got to say. Awesome. Thanks Kyle. And then, uh, Jason, as the lone medalist among us WNBA co-hosts <laughs> in the bracket challenge in 2021, do you have anything left to say before we close? Uh, I'm going to let you finish, but, uh, I just want to say that I had the best bracket of all time. <laughs> best bracket of all time. No, uh, one thing I do want to say, like, if you're on Twitch, if you enjoy watching the show live and you kind of want to know what's coming so you, so you can plan around it, uh, I'm expecting us to record on Wednesday night. Um, there's a decent chance that that is a W history episode, which those are always so much fun. So, uh, there's that. And then next week we're getting into draft next Monday should be our mock draft. Thursday is going to be live draft coverage. We'll be here reacting to it live while the draft is going on. Um, and then after that, it'll, it'll get into a kind of a regular schedule with us putting out a lot of team previews. So, um, if you're wanting to put something on your calendar, uh, I'd say this Wednesday, uh, join us on Twitch. And then next week, Monday and Thursday, uh, will, will be the nights that, that we're going. And Thursday will be an earlier night, just kind of like tonight was a little bit of an earlier night because we just went on right after the game was over. Uh, Thursday, the, uh, we'll be on at the same time as the draft. So we'll be doing live reactions as, as they make picks. We'll be talking about it. So, uh, don't miss either of those. And we appreciate all this love and support. Um, this has been fun watching this with you guys and talking with you guys about it. So uh, keep coming back. It's going to be a fun W season. For sure. Jason's going to hit the outro music when he gets, when he gets the edits on after this, uh, <laughs> after this goes, after those, those lives. So that's it for today. But uh, congratulations, Stanford Cardinal on a hard fought championship and, uh, and congratulations, Arizona on the deep run. Uh, we'll have more for you in the coming days. As Jason said, uh, and until that time, I am Logan Jones. I'm Kyle Haywood. I'm Jason Snow. And we got you next time.